You're listening to the Gate Charlotte Podcast. Our mission is to reach people, release heaven, and restore culture, sharing in the love of Jesus and all we do. We hope you enjoy this message. I'm just enjoying this moment. It feels so good. Thank you, Jesus. We prayed this morning that his presence would just show up, and it's so great when it does. I read a quote this morning before church that really stuck with me. R.T. Kendall said, the more conscious of God's presence, the more I feel like being myself. The less conscious of his presence, the more I feel I need to prove myself. Read that again. The more conscious of God's presence, the more I feel like being myself. The less conscious of his presence, the more I feel I need to prove myself. It's so easy to get into the trap with churches that we don't want to get people uncomfortable in the presence. We just want them to be able to be themselves when the reality is you can never be yourself unless the presence is here. We're just empowering you to continue acting like what's not yourself. You can't be yourself until you're in his presence. That was free. That was, that, that was just, that just, that was our team huddle. You want to get that stuff every Sunday? Serve. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> get involved. Serve. We're going to take up our offering this morning. Ushers, you can come forward. Come on up. Lord is so good. Oh, man. Come on down. <laughs> I'm just going to pray over you this morning. Is that Okay. Just, we've been having so many people getting, um, I just continue to contend for it because we're having so many people getting jobs and increase in their jobs. I mean, just constantly, people are coming to church. I got a raise. I got a new job. I wasn't looking for a job. I got offered a better job. And I'm like, do it, Jesus. Just do it, Jesus. Lord, I'm, I'm waiting for the point where I just get paid for the job and I don't have to do the job. <laughs> that's, that's next on the list. It's just pay me. And... Uh, how many of you know that I think the best, the best definition of abundance that I've ever heard is uh, being able to do, having, having, how I say this, having the provision for the vision so that I can do everything that God has called me to do and help somebody else. I'm going to say that again. Definition of abundance, one I heard, is having provision for the vision being able to do everything as God has called me to do and have enough left over to help somebody else. I don't think it's ever God's will for us not to be able to do what he's called us to do because money gets in the way. Money's supposed to be a servant, never a barrier. And so this morning, in Jesus' name, we thank you that, God, you are supplying provision for the vision. You're releasing, God, tremendous resources, God, to be able to accomplish what you've called us to do, not only corporately, but individually. There's so many calls in this house, Lord, so we bless your people in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, you can give by that, uh, by texting, or they'll pass the baskets. Let me just take a drink of water. My vocal cords are like, you have not done that in a really long time. You just threw me back in. I love leading worship. I love worship, honestly. I don't care if I lead or not, but when I stopped leading worship, ask Tiffany. 
That's going to bug me. Um, when, I, when I stopped leading worship, when God said it was time to stop, I, was, I, I like grieved for a while. Um, because we, the church typically doesn't stop until they've run something into the ground. Um, when someone's riding a dead horse, you're like, listen, that thing's dead. You've been doing that for 20 years. Get off, you know? Um, we can never build something that can be generational unless we can let it go before it dies. Yeah. Say that again. We can, never, we can never build something that's multi-generational until we release it before it dies. That's hard because if you find your identity in what you do, you don't want to let it go when it's going well because then you find yourself feeling like, I don't feel as good. That's if your identity is rooted in ministry. When your identity is not rooted in ministry, when it's doing well, it's a great time to hand it off. And so it doesn't mean it's easy. I remember um, when, I, when I handed it off to Tiffany, I was, I was just really grumpy for like a week, two weeks, maybe longer. I was just grumpy. I mean, she's like, what is wrong with you, John? I'm like, I don't know. And I realized, remember when David said, when David wanted to build a house for the Lord, and the Lord said, David, I'm glad it's in your heart, but because you have had blood on your hands, you can't do it. There's something that is amazing that the Lord can say, I'm glad it's in your heart. He can even put it in your heart, but it doesn't mean that he called you to do it anymore. And I, I remember when he said, you know, John, and I actually had to stop completely for a long time. For years, the Lord said, don't even be a part. Um, I've been helping them out the past few weeks just because they've been shorthanded. But the Lord wouldn't even release me to do that for years. And I'm, we're so blessed by the worship in this house. I mean, I mean that. Like, you guys, you're blessed. I'm not just talking about the quality of the worship team, I'm just talking about the fact that you can walk in on a Sunday morning and know that worship's going to start and you're going to meet with God. That's amazing. So, all right. Well, I'm going to preach for a few minutes (laughs) on um, something about Jesus. I I grabbed the wrong Bible translation, so I'm going to pull up a Bible on my phone. I have to have a real Bible in my hands or I don't feel like a preacher. I'm not even going to use this Bible, but I feel better having it up here. So if it makes y'all feel better, I can do that. I've, married, I've done wedding ceremonies before where, you know, you get your brides, you know, your bridezillas are like, you're not going to be using your iPad, right? I'm like, no. I'm like, like you can put that inside of something, right? I'm like, Sure. <laughs> The things that brides see that guys don't. I'm like, yes, ma'am. All right. Well, open your Bibles up to Psalms 25. And I'm going to pray. You ready for God to speak? Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Can we do that? I just felt like the Lord told us to pray this morning. So, Lord, I want you guys to pray with me. Don't let this just be a cute opening. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. God, preparation has been done from this point on. It's up to you. Lord, I ask that you would baffle us with kingdom mysteries this morning. 
Lord, I pray that we would walk away confused. <laughs> Lord, come and speak to our hearts. Your presence is so thick in this room today. God, we're listening. Can you just say that? We are here. We're listening to you this morning. Our hearts are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, let's read a few. I'm going to read a, a few verses to you this morning. Psalms 25, verse 1 says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let, me, let, not, my enemy, let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you, O God, are my salvation. On you I wait all day. Everybody say, I wait. Stay in the same chapter and go down to verse 20. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all their troubles. Everybody say, I wait on you. There is a pattern that we see in the book in, in Psalms that we see this word that comes up over and over and over, and it's all of our favorite word, wait. We're so good at waiting, right? Waiting is getting harder and harder as technology advances further and further. Um, I like to hunt. One of the best things for me about hunting is actually just sitting in a tree where I have no cell phone signal. People think I hunt for the meat. I hunt just to get away and go sit in a tree. <laughs> and this year, that's about all I've done. <laughs> but... There's something about getting out into just the quiet with the Lord that you will find it's hard for sometimes for us to just be quiet and wait on the Lord. And what happens in us while we are waiting for the Lord is actually every bit as important as what happens in you when he shows up. The process of what happens to you while you're waiting on the Lord is just as important as what you're waiting for. I don't know about you, I really appreciate the book of Psalms because if there's ever a book in the Bible that everybody can relate to, it's Psalms. On a bad day, Lord, do not, do not shame me. On a good day, you are my sanctuary, you are my peace. I remember hearing... Uh, one preacher say one time, you want to know how to read Psalms? Read the Psalms until you feel like you're writing it. Just start reading it until you feel like I could have wrote this today. And stop and slow down and watch what happens. And there's something about the Psalms that are really unique to me because there is a rawness about the Psalms. You know, I, I don't believe that David knew when he was writing the Psalms, he was writing something that was going to go down in this book for all of history. I believe he was just writing down his thoughts, his songs on this paper, and he was writing his journey down with Jesus. 
You see, it was different when we get into the New Testament and we, obviously it was inspired by God because it's in his word. But when we get into the New Testament and we get into the gospels, they were, they were recounting these things with the Lord. They were writing them down with the intentions of this is gonna be recorded for all of history. David wasn't doing that. David was writing down life. Can you imagine if your journal got put in the Bible? <laughs> Somebody like, oof. And I love it because David didn't, he didn't hold back because he didn't know to hold back. He didn't just show like we do on social media, the good parts. He wrote, and obviously there's other people that wrote Psalms, not just David, but David was the primary writer and he wrote everything. And I'll be honest, I don't have time to teach on it. I don't think we have any idea how powerful the Psalms are because we read them just as lyrics to a song without the music. Have you ever thought about the fact of, let's take, a, let's take somebody like a, a John Mark McMillan. He's, he's a writer of uh, the song, How He Loves Us, you know? How many of you know there's parts that come up when you're in, in a moment in worship, like this morning, we get into that bridge of, uh, of uh, the last song we did, What a Wonderful, What a Beautiful Name, and that music goes, da, 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 and the guitar comes. How many of you know everything in you feels it? Like, you're like, oh, and then the words come in. You have no rival. Imagine if you didn't have any of the music, you just had the lyrics. I believe that we, we don't even know the, the fullness of the power of the Psalms because these were written as songs. We're just getting the lyrics. I, I don't know where I'm going with this, except for maybe the Lord can reveal more to us through them because I think we're just getting a piece of the power of these songs that were written to Jesus. But they weren't written for all of history. They weren't necessarily penned knowing they would be in the word of God. They were his story. And what's so beautiful about it is they give me hope because it's this constant, why are my enemies attacking me? Oh, Lord, how long will I have to wait? One of the things I've noticed is that we've done, we've got this beautiful prophetic culture that speaks God's word over people, and, and there's this, this process that typically happens in the middle. It's called waiting. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, I think that we can, uh, it would be nice if my notes would give me more than page one. There we go. I think that what happens is, is there is something in the waiting process that's called the mystery. And that's really what I want to focus on this morning is actually God's gift of mystery. I believe that God's gift of the mystery is what is the antidote for you and I to not have a boring life. I heard one preacher say it this way. He said, if God showed up to you with all wisdom and revelation in one hand and all mystery and pursuit in the other hand, which would you choose? I would choose pursuit. Because something happens in the mystery with God that doesn't happen in just the revealing. I'm going to dig into that a lot more. Just, just hang on there. But I think that we get so caught up desiring to know more because it makes us feel more secure. The more I know, the more answers I have, the more secure I feel. When I walk into the room and says, what happened? I say, I have no idea. Security all of a sudden, doesn't, it's not there. And we like to feel secure in the Lord. I, you know, I've, I've shared it our story many times, but we're in this journey too. And I've been growing so much with the Lord because we sold everything. You know, we moved from this great house in a really comfortable part of town and we moved way out into the country, into a farm, into a house that needs a lot of work. And we didn't know it when we started it. How many of you know, usually you don't know it when you start it. 
How many know if you knew it when you started it, you probably would never start it? And I, you know, we start this journey and then it's, you get into this place and you're like, Lord, I didn't know it would be that way. And he's like, exactly. And there is this mystery that when we learn to actually embrace the mystery, it begins to change our whole walk with the Lord because we begin to realize instead of thinking a thought like, I'm, I feel like I'm just nowhere right now. Anyone ever feel like I just... I just feel like I'm nowhere. Sometimes you feel like you're going somewhere, you're really moving, and sometimes you're like, I just feel like I'm nowhere. What what would happen if we turn the mentality of, instead of just, I feel like I'm nowhere, to just move that word and separate it a little bit to, I am now here. What if we could go in the mystery from, I feel like I'm nowhere, to embracing that I am now here? Maybe he's not so worried about getting you to the end as much as where you're at now. You see, this changes things because we've, it's so easy to get sucked into wanting to always get to the end. <laughs> I've been in ministry full-time since I was 18 years old, and I can confidently say I feel like I know so much less now <laughs> than when I did when I was 18. I have learned more. I have watched thousands of people preach. And people in here that are older than me, you probably feel like you even know less about certain things of the kingdom. I can't explain it, but the more I'm around him, the more I realize I don't know much. It's, is anybody follow me on that? It's not like people that think they know it all scare me. People that think they know where they're going scare me. Well, I know where God's taking me. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, he showed me. I'm sure he did. (laughs) Call me up when you're in the middle of trying to get there, and you're like, didn't look like this. (laughs) Maybe Jesus didn't come so much to teach us what to think as much as he came to teach us how to think. Maybe we can see something in the difference. Jesus taught in parables, right? He taught in a way where he wasn't trying to teach them what to think, He was trying to teach them how to think. If he just wanted to teach them what to think, he wouldn't have hidden it in a mystery. He would have just said, here's what I'm trying to teach you. There you go. But he realized that if their hearts weren't in the right place, when they got what they were asking for, it would mean nothing. So he had to first teach them how to think instead of teaching them what to think. We've gotten this wrong because we've created culture in church of we want everybody to think the same way. Not even Jesus did that. His disciples were all over the board. If his 12 were our church board, I would, people would be greatly concerned, especially every time Peter walks in the door. Did you say that to me? I'm going to punch, you know, pull out a sword, you know. They, these guys were all over the place. What? But Jesus is like, that's okay. Why? Because they were learning the process. They said, I'm okay with the mystery. People are scared to death of the mystery. And the reality is, is we often, we don't wait very well. We're in a generation that just likes things now. But that in-between place, that space between God declaring something and God fulfilling something is where the mystery lives. I'll say that again. That space between God declared it 
and God fulfilled it is where mystery lives. It's in the place of waiting. It's in the place where somebody prophesies over you and you say, that sounds great. How's that going to happen? You're going to go to the nations. I don't have enough money to go to the gas station. (laughs) With gas prices right now, some you're like, that speaks so deeply to me. This speaks so deeply to me. (laughs) I got a funny story, but I'm going to stay on track. That, that place in the middle, we need to begin to reframe the way that we think about this. We need to begin to stop being so obsessed about getting to the fulfillment and start becoming more obsessed with what is God doing in the process. This will change you. People that get changed are not people that get everything handed and they immediately get it. People that change are people that go through the process hand in hand with God. I can watch people when I met them and God spoke something and then I come back across paths eight years later and it still hasn't happened, but they're still contending. They're always more mature. And something has been formed in them that if they had just gotten what was declared over them would never have happened. And, and David says in the scriptures, David, David, just like our kids, oh, Lord, how much longer? Can you hear it in David's language? Don't put me to shame. How much longer? Because God doesn't work on our timelines and our deadlines. And David's like, Lord, how much longer? You see, the interesting thing about God is Isaiah 46, Isaiah 46, verse 10, says that he declares the end from the beginning. He, he, see, God does something different than us. We start something and we're curious, when are we going to get to the completion of it? God completes something and then starts it. He finishes a thing, then he starts it. He doesn't start it, and I can take you through some scriptural references here in a moment, but the secret to living in a place of waiting and thriving is when we begin to actually get to the point where we understand the finished work, and we realize that even in the process of getting there, it's finished. Some of us, it's really not, it's a journey of nothing more than he's just trying to get you to realize it's already done. He's bringing us to a place where it's finished. Could it be that we've really gotten all this wrong? Could it be that when the Israelites left Egypt and went to the promised land, could it be that God never intended it to be an 11-day journey? We look at it like, well, boy, they blew it. You think he didn't know that leading them into it? You see, that's our way of timelines. This is an 11-day journey. God's saying, This is going to take another generation to get them there. And we look at it and say, it took them so long. Did it really, though? Or did it take them the amount of time that God knew it was going to take them? You see, I'm trying to get you to think differently. When you're thinking, this should have only taken a year, and I'm on year seven, is it really long? Or is that the process God has you in? Because when you begin to embrace the journey, it changes the way you see it, and things begin to happen. I'm trying to set you free from the bondage of waiting and release you into the mystery of waiting. We feel, some of us feel bound when we have to wait. 
We're like, I'm tired of waiting. Oh gosh, how much longer? <laughs> and set you free into the, I'm living in a place of mystery. I'm living in a space where, how am I going to get there? I have no idea. And things have happened that I can't believe have happened. Why? Because you walk away from the bondage of waiting into the mystery of waiting. Listen, I will, I will affirm you in exposing my weakness. I love having things laid out. As, yeah, I knew that was coming. Tiffany's like, mm-hmm. I was going to say, ask Tiffany before I said it. She's like, mm-hmm. I, I, I love when I know, like, I, you know, things are laid out. If I go on vacation, I'm like, you know, typically, at least if it's a family vacation, I'm like figuring it out. Let's do this. Let's have this. I mean, I go to Disney World. I'm on that app looking at the lines, the times, where do we go next, what's the shortest ride, how do we get there the quickest, how do I route it? They're just, they're just enjoying Mickey Mouse. I'm like, we got to do this quicker. Da, 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 da. And how many of you know that's commercialism? That's not kingdom. That is, that is fantastic if you have, I have people that are friends of mine, that is their job. They literally all day long look at their phone and figure out how to get their clients from point A to point B quicker. That's all they do. Some of you, that's your job. I got news for you. The kingdom does not work that way. God looks at your phone and your plan says, that's so cute. <laughs> you thought it's going to take like a year. Uh. I want to teach you what it's like to live in mystery because that's the place where people change. I think that God needs the time in between the invitation and the fulfillment to renew your mind. I've come to learn this, and I'm jumping all over the place. I have come to learn this. The renewing of the mind actually happens in the waiting more than in the fulfilling. The renewing of your mind happens in the waiting not the fulfilling. Things happen in your heart when you get to step into the fulfillness, the fullness of it. But things happen in the renewing of your mind when you have to walk day after day after day after day in this mystery. And you say, I don't understand. You know how many people have prophesied over me? One of the things that can hold us back is, and I believe that is part of this renewing of the mind, is your memories. I don't know about you, but we so often, one of the things I struggle with is we're constantly remembering what we should be forgetting and forgetting what we should be remembering. We're constantly remembering what we should be forgetting, and we're forgetting what we should be remembering. And along that journey, the Lord is just trying to cleanse our minds, saying, and you get to that point, you say, oh, I've been here before. And he said, no, 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 you're remembering the wrong thing. And, and we saw that with the Israelites. You, that, was, that was their journey. <laughs> their journey was they were constantly forgetting what they should have been remembering. And it had to happen again. And it had to happen again until finally, they started remembering the right thing. And that is what happens in the waiting, in the thriving. I think about David because if we look back on David, remember when David was just 
the, the story of David being called is always so fun to me because here's David, Samuel the prophet. Now, let me, let me paint a picture for you. Samuel the prophet was not just some like, yeah, he was hit and miss on his prophecies. Samuel the prophet was like the legend of prophets at the time. He was the one that said that none of his words ever hit the ground. He's quite the prophet. <laughs> he was a grisly old man that showed up and, and, and uh, all the boys were set out. And here he is looking at him saying, nope, sure there's no one else. And his father says, well, there's David, you know. He's, he's our musician, twinkle toes. He's out in the field with the sheep. He comes in. I mean, honestly, like I, I'm getting to the point where we're getting enough animals at my house. When my kids go out with the animals, they come in with a smell. And David didn't have the modern conveniences of showers. Can you imagine when he shows up? He's been out with his father's sheep. There's something interesting that happens when you begin to take care of someone else's sheep. It wasn't until Moses was exiled and he took off running that he was serving his father-in-law. He was watching his sheep that God called him. There's something about when you're serving someone else's sheep that you begin to be qualified for what God's calling you to do. And here's David, you know, he's got his big brawny brothers inside and David is out in the field and it says that he came running in. We don't know. We know he's young. We know he's still got that probably high pitched voice and, and they, well, come on in, David. Hi, dad, I'm here. And Samuel, this prophet says, you, you're it. Now, how many of you know, we tend to think that if there's, you know, <laughs> this is a world renowned prophet. If he called me, we're good. Because we think the accuracy of the prophet for some reason speeds up the process. Well, you must be a false prophet because it hadn't happened. You must be a mess because it hadn't happened. God's trying to clean something up before he can release it. And too long, we judge the prophetic word based on the time. And typically, the time is more on you. I tell people to stay away from one thing when giving prophecies, time. I mean, unless you are really seasoned, and I mean, really seasoned. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. People are like, well, you, and babies and marriages. Can I throw those three out? <laughs> babies, dates, and marriages, stay away from those. <laughs> I've been a youth pastor before where I had multiple kids get multiple prophetic words. They're going to marry multiple different people. And I have heard them all. I'm like, well, someone said, you're going to marry that person. Said, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> Here's Samuel. He calls David, and he, David comes in, and, and he gets this word from the Lord. And the Bible says that when he was anointed by Samuel, he took this, this horn, and, and, and scholars believe to have had up to five quarts of oil in it. This is not our little anoint somebody on the forehead. This was like, it just hold on. <laughs> I mean, they're drenching David in this anointing. And, and he is anointed first by the prophet. But something most people don't know is that between David become, being anointed as a child and David becoming king, he was actually anointed three different times. The first time he was anointed was by the prophet. 
The second time that he was anointed was by the men of Judah, and the third time that he was anointed was by the elders of Israel. I want you to look at this process even in David's life. The first time that God spoke was through prophecy. The second time that he spoke to his heart was through praise, Judah. He needed anointing of praise to keep going. And the third time that God anointed him was by the elders of the promise. And the Bible says, if you read it in 2 Samuel 5.12, it wasn't, this is funny, it wasn't until the third time that David was anointed, it says that David perceived God had made him king. This should make you feel really good. David has done a lot of stuff. He's been anointed three times, and it took the last time when he was actually king to say, I think this is God. This is your champion. This is the guy after God's own heart. What does that say? You can really be close to God's heart and you still got some problems. David was going, David's like, hey, anoint me again. Some of you, I see it on Sundays, you're like, listen, hit me again. We do a fire tunnel, you're like, I'm coming through again. I'm coming. I'm like, I pray for you eight times now. All right, like, you're out. Like, David was like, anoint me again. Anoint me again. Why? Because you read it in David's personality. How much longer must I wait? And I find it unique if we just look at some of the principles. I mean, Judah, praise, was the anointing that came upon him in the middle of waiting. Sometimes you don't need so much the fulfillment as much as you need praise. Praise anointed David. And and we see this, we see a similar story with Abram and Sarai in the beginning. This story has been ministering to me so deeply. Because Abraham is like legend status. <laughs> Some of the things with Abraham amazes me. And here's at the, po- at, at the beginning, Abram and Sarai. And God comes to him and says, listen, Abr- Abram, you're going to have a baby. This is one of my favorite, favorite scriptures ever because it says that he was laughing so hard he fell over. How about that response? You just prophesy over someone and they start cracking up and hit the floor. <laughs> Didn't bother God. But, he, but God, the Lord comes with the word of the Lord to Abram and says, you're going to have a baby. He's an old man at this point. He's around like 75 years old. He says, you're going to have a baby. And he just cracks up. He's like, you're hilarious. Many years go by. Many years go by, up to around 25 years go by, and he's around 99 years old, and he still hasn't had that baby. And he does something interesting. There's something you begin to see with Abram that he's beginning to understand that I need to become the fullness of something before I even see it. You see, he was starting to think like God. He was getting it. He was starting to see the, the beginning from the end. And, I, and, and he did it two times, actually. But in this moment, he says, well, you know what, I'm, what they did? They changed their name to father of many and mother of many, the childless couple. And by the way, in the middle of that, he tried to help God out with the waiting and ended up with an Ishmael. You will end up with an Ishmael when you try to help God along. And here he is. That wasn't God's plan. And God, just like many of us, says, well, that was great, but that was not my plan. Back to the plan. 
And he moves on, and at 99 years old, they change their name that means mother of many and father of many, and within a year, at 100 years old, Abraham steps in. What happened? In the, in the mystery, in the middle, Abraham began to get his mind renewed, and he began to understand, I need to actually become this thing before I see it. Some of us are like, I can't wait to become it. You're going to be waiting a long time if you think you become it when you finally see it. You have to become it before you see it. That's what renewing of the mind does. Abraham, again, let's talk about Isaac. I learned some interesting things this week that I did not know. Everyone thinks Isaac was a child. Isaac was not a child. Almost all scholars believed him to be at least 18 years old. Most believed him to be 32 to 37 years old when he was taken up the mountain to be sacrificed. We know one thing, he carried all the wood for the sacrifice. So it was no little boy. He's old enough to throw some punches, guys. Dad says, come on, son. We're going up the mountain. He's not, see, I have always envisioned this like it's a little boy. We don't, well, what's going on, Dad? No, it's okay. You know, he's a full-grown man. He knows I'm carrying the wood. Dad's not saying much. This is not good. But what, what's the point? There's something interesting. And by the way, if you don't know this also, this is, a, this is 2,000 years before Jesus was sacrificed on the same mountain, Mount Moriah. It's pointing to something to come, which is one of the reasons I also believe that he was in his 30s. 2,000 years before this, people that don't believe this story, you're missing something. The same mountain 2,000 years later, God called his son to be sacrificed. And here he is taking his boy, his full-grown boy, up the mountain, and he knows here's what's happened. In the process of learning how to thrive in the mystery, he got it. He finally got it because he said, here's the deal. All I know is that you're the promise. And God said it so that if you die, he'll raise you back. But Abraham was starting to think from the end. He was getting it. And it wasn't, it wasn't until the Bible says Abraham had the, his hand raised, God said, stop. Can you imagine Isaac? God provided. But Abraham, you want to know something interesting? Go back and read it sometime because Abraham, the one thing we know about him from the beginning was when God called him, his relationship with God was very different. God called Abram in the very beginning and said, go out into a land I will show you. Catch that? Go out into a land I will show you. Not go to this land, blah, 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 and then I will show you. We like that. Go move here, and then I'll show you more. He just said, just go to the land that I show you. There was a reliance that we see in the life of Abraham that we miss so often. It said it again when he told him to sacrifice his son Isaac. He said, go to a mountain in which I will show you. What's the point? He was traveling with Wood and his son before he even knew where they were going. You want to know why he landed in Hebrews 11? He's a superstar in my eyes. Because here he is, Abraham, God says it was faith 
that Abraham went out into a land that he didn't even know. And it was faith. And listen, I'm not going to get into detail. I've heard people say that the whole process of sacrificing Isaac wasn't the Lord calling, wasn't God. That's baloney. Because it couldn't have been accredited to him as faith if a demon told him to do it. It had to be God. Because we get into this thing where we don't understand. Listen, I don't get everything. All I know is that there was something that was a picture that was pointing to something else that was coming 2,000 years later on this mountain. And God called him. So that doesn't match God's character. I don't think any of us fully know God's character. We get in trouble when we try to make God's character fit our version of what is good. I believe he's a good God, but what defines good? This defines good. I'm going to land here for a minute because this this is something that I've talked with many, many, many seasoned ministers, much older than me, that there is a great concern of some of the messages going around the church right now because people are converting God into what they see as good. Well, if it's not good, it can't be God. That's what you think isn't good. I could really mess with your heads and tell you, even when he says things that you don't think is true, the fact that he says them makes it true. Some of you like, uh. When he speaks it, it becomes truth. When he told him to sacrifice his boy, it was faith. Read your Bible. Bible Hebrews 11 said it was faith that he was willing to sacrifice his son. We try to skip the process. We try to get to the end. And maybe God isn't so interested in you getting to the promise as much as he is interested in getting the promise into you. We're like, Lord, get me to the promise. The the, the Israelites, get me to the promised land. God was like, I I could really get the promised land into you first. God, one day I'll die and be in your presence fully. Why not now? It'll be so much better, trust me. Why not now? God, one of these days I'll just, I can't wait to worship at your feet. Why not now? I want to live a life where there's nothing Literally, other than being reunited with family and friends that have passed on, there's nothing that I can do in heaven that I can't do here. I don't know. Maybe that's not sound biblically, but when he says the kingdom of God is at hand, I don't think he's, he didn't say part of the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. And he's not so interested about just getting you to the promise. He's really interested in getting the promise into you. Let's start wrapping this up. (sighs) Lord, I just want guidance. (laughs) I loved Abraham. He just went. It's hard to guide a parked car. Some people are just in park saying, Lord, guide me. It's not easy. Put it and go, baby. I have this belief. It's called green light Christianity. I believe that he's a good God. I believe he will tell me, stop. I see it in the Bible when certain apostles were going to certain places and God said, don't go there. I'm going to send you here. They were all around the way because they just made up their mind. I'm just going to go share Jesus with everyone. And God's good enough that he will stop me and redirect me. We've taken a mindset. I'm not going to go until you direct me. 
And God is saying, get moving. Just go. Just go. And you say, I don't know where I'm going. Perfect. That's the point. He's trying to get you to go while you don't know where you're going. Because that's the place where renewing of the mind happens. I'm, I know I'm, I'm trying to hit you guys with, with a reality. I think we feel like, man, once God just, man, if you could just show me, show me, Lord, show me. Lord, reveal yourself, reveal all. I love that. It deeply touches my heart. But I have learned what changes me is when I'm trying to get there. I've learned what changes me is when he says, John, go do this. And then I do it. And I say, I didn't think it would look this way. And that is the place where it's when he tells his disciples, he says to them, listen, I want to teach you something, but I'm not going to fully, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to give you a parable because I'm more interested in you learning how to understand with a renewed mind than just understanding what I have to say. If you will grab this, it it changes my life. Those seasons where I feel like, God, why aren't you talking to me? You know, maybe you don't have those seasons. You're like, well, he's always speaking. He probably is. But sometimes I don't feel like I'm hearing. And I have those seasons where I feel like, God, I don't hear anything. And in that moment, I have an invitation to learn how to live in the mystery. Isaiah 40, 31 says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Those who wait on the Lord shall. I know you guys know this, but for the sake of if somebody doesn't know this, waiting is not a passive sit around and wait. It's not a kickback and Lord, when you're ready, I'm here. Waiting, this word is a Activity. It is a process of being active on waiting on the Lord. Isaiah said, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. I, I don't think we understand when we read that story, Isaiah's perspective. Can I, can I show you something? In Isaiah 7, 14, Isaiah was the person that prophesied unto us a child is going to be born. This is a big scripture, Isaiah 7, 14. He prophesies the coming of Jesus. Guess what? It was 700 years from then. Guess what? He died appearing to be a false prophet. It never happened. He went to his grave having prophesied something, and it never happened. Everyone that heard it went to their grave, realizing he had prophesied something that hadn't happened. Think about that. Because we define words by time. Well, it hasn't happened, so they must be a false prophet. Whoever said that it was going to happen in your life? Can you imagine prophesying like the Savior and then dying? That's a big one. And you're on your deathbed. The thought probably goes through your head. Did I miss that one? 700 years. So when Isaiah penned, those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, he understood that. He understood that I have prophesied something that has not happened. But I know that he strengthens me while I wait and I embrace living in the mystery. It doesn't challenge his faithfulness. 
let's stop putting God on our timelines. I feel like this is an important word for this house because we are a prophetic community. You are going to prophesy. You're going to get prophesied over. And discernment is too because some people may miss it. That's why we have to be able to discern things. That's okay. But don't let the determining factor that it hasn't happened when you thought it would happen be what determines if it was a word or not a word from God. Because a lot of times, God is just waiting on the process of what he's trying to do in you. Some of you are like, I've been waiting 20 years. I don't have an answer for that, except for I know that you can thrive in the mystery. I want to be a place where this house, when he says something, I don't run it through the filter of false wisdom, which is called fear. Well, let's be wise. That's usually someone saying, well, let's be fearful. <laughs> fear always hides behind the mask of wisdom. Someone who is telling me to be careful about a word God has given me, one of the things I'm going to look for is, have you done anything in your life that required risk? Because if you haven't, you're not going to be the one that's probably going to tell me not to. I will listen to people. I have people in my life that I have phone calls with every week that are much older than me and great believers that I ask them questions. Yeah. And I'm wrong sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> I'm shocking. <laughs> I am wrong, often. <laughs> but I'm not going to call people that won't take a chance for God. Fear sounds an awful lot like wisdom sometimes. God is saying, just start, just like Abraham, go and I'll show you the land. Go, I'll, I'll provide. So you want me to go kill my son, but you're not going to tell me any details. Got it. That sounds great. Abraham was starting to see the beginning from the end. He got it. God, you've called me to be in ministry. I'm, 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 how am I going to do that? Let him work the promise into you where you become the, you literally become the fulfillment and live from there. And it's okay. You can pull a David every now and again. How much longer? <laughs> Get anointed with praise. I don't know about you, but when I hit those how much longer moments, I want to praise. Like, I have to praise. I don't want to praise, actually. I have to praise. And when you begin to offer up a sacrifice of praise, it's like an anointing that just pushes you through, that says, keep going, keep going. God, you understand my kid, you told me, I declared over them, you know, this, 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 an anointing of praise, keep going. David would say, and then I came into the presence of the Lord. It was usually this, wah. Selah. <laughs> and then I came into the presence of the Lord and saw he was there. <laughs> wow. This was the time of my sermon. Wow. <laughs> 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 
My, 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 my favorite scripture, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible was when Gehazi, Elisha's servant, was freaking out. The enemies were, enemies were surrounding them, right? And, and Gehazi comes running back to Elisha. We're in trouble. Everyone is here, like the whole army. And Elisha prays something so great. He says, God, would you show him what I see? And Gehazi's eyes were opened, and he saw the armies of the Lord around him. What happened? He stepped into the end. Then he, from that point, said, we're good. <laughs> he wasn't there yet, but his mind was becoming renewed by here. Maybe your mind has to get renewed before you can step into it. Amen. Let's stand up. I'm going to pray over you. This is a, I just felt this, I felt this word so strong all week, like burning in my spirit. Um, because I feel like so many people are like, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Oh God. I just want to pray over you that the renewing of your mind would happen so that the thing you're waiting on will become a part of you before you ever see it. Jesus, you're good. You are good. You're so good. I thank you for what I feel in this room today. Your presence. I thank you for a culture that can dream with you. I just, I feel that. This is, this, is, this is part of establishing a dreaming culture. It's equipping people how to wait. There's nothing harder for dreamers than waiting. So Lord, teach us how to love the mystery. Teach us how to go from I feel like nowhere to I'm now here. Thank you that dreaming with you it's what we we're created to do. Father, I pray over the, the prophetic words, the, 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 the callings in this room. There's a, there is, in my spirit, I feel an army of powerful believers in this room that are carrying prophetic words and visions. I have, I know, just pages of them in my notes. Lord, teach us that waiting on you is the process that renews and prepares us for the fulfillment of what you have for us. That we're not waiting just idly, just twiddling our thumbs, Lord, but we are actually being processed and prepared for what you're giving us. Lord, Lord, give us the courage and the boldness and the stamina to press in, even when we feel like I'm just so tired of waiting. Those that have began to even doubt the promise, I pray that you would have a, a spiritual name change today. That, that like Abram became Abraham and Sarai became Sarah, that they had not seen the promise. They've been waiting 25 years for the promise. And they said, you know what? I'm not giving up. I'm actually going to change my identity to the promise. 
Lord, those that have been waiting and waiting and waiting, God, they don't need a man. They need you to come in, Father, and put the, they need the promise deposited into them. It said that Mary carried the word after the angel came to her. It said that she treasured it and she pondered it. What does that mean? She treasured it in her heart and she pondered it in her mind and that's what renewed her mind. Teach us how to treasure the words in our heart, but, let, but in the process of pondering them, we be renew, we're renewed in our minds. In Jesus' name. I'm going to call up the prayer team. If you're on the prayer team, come on up, and then I'm going to dismiss everybody. Um, Lord, in Jesus' name. <laughs> I just feel like give us help that we can do this. (laughs) Help us, Lord, to be able to step into this change of thinking in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to The Gate Charlotte's podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss a message. We're sending this to someone who might need encouragement today. Thanks for joining us.